Here again, the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Again, he sent other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm and another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. He said to his servants, The wedding feast is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. This is the gospel of the Lord, and this is our text. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What did you get in the mail this week? Maybe receive something that you ordered, something that you were anticipating receiving, and, and it came. But if your household is like mine, more than half of what you received in the mail was really not worth opening and looking through. Doesn't it seem that we are almost daily receiving invitations in the mail to accept a new line of credit, refinance a current debt, subscribe to a new publication, or maybe visit a destination and receive a gift for doing so. You've seen them. You know what they look like. And most of those around our house go unopened or at least go to the shredder. We are constantly being invited to try something or to buy something or to contribute to something. And during the season, vote for someone. Some mass mailers go to great lengths to try and disguise what they are sending by dressing up the envelope so that it doesn't look like every other of those envelopes that are destined for our trash cans or our shredders. They figure that just maybe, just maybe, if they look tempting enough on the outside and they can get somebody to open them, they'll take the next step and maybe and just maybe respond to their invitation. At the same time, there are some invitations that we receive in the mail that we are able to tell are worth opening. In fact, we're glad to get them. We can tell they are personal invitations that we want to have a look at, look at and see who is having a party or who's hosting a, a reception or a shower or who might just be getting married. We want to know who wants us to come and join in the festivities. Weddings and their receptions are usually very joyous 
and festive occasions. They are celebrations. There are certain formalities that are not only a part of the actual wedding itself, but also a part of the preparation for a wedding. There may be an initial mailing several months in advance that encourages you to save a particular date on your calendar, save the date, and so you'll take that and you'll stick it on your refrigerator with all your other stuff. Or you'll mark your calendar so that you've got that date reserved. Then later will come a formal invitation that is sent out announcing that the bride and groom will be united in marriage on that date at a specific time and in a particular place. Then usually there is included with the wedding invitation another invitation to a reception that will follow the ceremony. Along with that, there is something enclosed that requests a response from the invitee as to whether or not they will be attending. It's important for those who are doing the inviting to know how many they're going to have come so that they can determine how much they need in order to serve all their guests. These affairs can be quite costly, so it is important for the host to know how many plan to attend. Sometimes we may want to know who else has been invited before we make a decision about whether or not we're going to attend. We might base our decision on going by considering what those who invited us might think if we don't come. Will they miss us? What will they think about us if we don't show up? We might question ourselves, do I really need to go? Do I really want to go? Will there be a problem if I don't go? There are always some secondary questions that follow as well, one of which is, well, what will I need to wear to this affair? In this morning's gospel reading that serves as our text, Jesus speaks the last of three parables that he used to answer the Jewish religious leaders and teachers of the law who were questioning by what authority He was teaching, and by what authority he was doing his signs and wonders. The time frame for this confrontation is Holy Tuesday of Holy Week. The heavenly meaning that Jesus is seeking to convey to them through this earthly story is about our entrance into heaven. Jesus is relating the kingdom of heaven then to a wedding banquet. We might wish to recall that Jesus is elsewhere referred to as the heavenly bridegroom and the church is his bride. In contrast to the meaningless invitations that seem to turn up in our mailboxes on a regular basis, we have a gracious and generous God who issues to us an invitation to come to his son's wedding feast, his celebration, his banquet. This is a very special invitation. There is no hidden agenda that you will find after you get there, but there is something remarkably different about this feast, this banquet. It is an ongoing, never-ending banquet that we've been invited to partake of and to feast at, to come and get it, if you will, both now and forevermore. It is an eternal feast. 
unfortunately, is not an invitation that is always heeded, one that is as graciously received as it has been graciously sent. In fact, our text ends, many are called, but few are chosen. In the parable that serves as our text, we see that the king has his son's wedding banquet already prepared and that he has sent out his servants to tell those who had previously been invited to come to the feast that it's ready. It's time for them to come, but they would not come. It was as if they saw this invitation as junk mail and they quickly discarded it, would have nothing to do with it. The king then sent more servants, the prophets with instructions to explain the extent of the banquet, but those, paid, those invited paid no attention and went on with what they thought were the more important things in their lives. One to his farm, one to his business, while the others mistreated the servants that had been sent, even killing them. Jesus further explained what that meant how that they had shamefully killed the prophets. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. You think that maybe you better open your mail? And maybe we all need to open our Bibles more regularly than we do to hear the constant refrain that the feast is ready, come to the feast. As we look back at how the Lord has graciously dealt with his people, we see that he has been inviting people to his wedding banquet for a millennia now. He is gracious to the people he first chose, the children of Israel, who carried his promise from generation to generation, from land to land. Regretfully, many of them disdained his invitation, made excuses, questioned his authority did not come, wanted nothing to do with him, the heavenly bridegroom. They basically sent their regrets, and indeed they stoned and killed the mailmen, the prophets, those responsible for delivering God's invitation. This clearly and most certainly angered the Lord. The children of Israel at various times in their history lost their land, they lost their city, they lost their temple and ended up in exile on foreign soil, conscripted to a life of slavery. Can we learn from their mistakes? Can the new Israel, the church of God, learn from their mistakes? I truly pray that we do, as also some of them have as well and have confessed Jesus as Lord and continue to stay plugged in to him as their personal Savior. In Jesus Christ, God has extended his invitation to the whole world, to people of every nation, every tribe, and every language, the good and the bad, the greatest and least, in an attempt to fill his wedding banquet hall. In the waters of holy baptism, He personally and specifically invited you as he made you his disciple. 
to pay for this spectacular event that we have been invited to, his son, the very bridegroom, suffered, died, and then rose again from the dead and has ascended into heaven to host the banquet of all banquets. God invites us to his eternal reception, the never-ending feast, to be forever joined with Jesus, for we are his special people. We are the church. We are the very bride of Christ, privileged to celebrate the love of God for eternity, called to know that these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, God's love, the sacrificial love of God seen in Christ Jesus Yet we deserve this honor, this invitation, no more than God's ancient people did. And certainly we can spurn his invitation. We can turn our backs on his much-needed grace and mercy. It happens all the time. Because the Lord coaxes us toward the party, tenderly inviting us rather than coercing us, we may find it it easy to overlook the importance of this invitation. In our busy, consumer-oriented society, it is easy to add the Lord's invitation to all of those other requests that demand our attention and take our time, our effort, and our dollars. But nothing is more important than holding on to that invitation, to heeding the Lord's call to come and get it, to feast at his lavish banquet table in the heavenly hall, Indeed, he not only has invited us and continually invites us to come, but he has given to us the proper attire to wear at this event. However, the business of life can consume us. Responsibilities, families, careers, recreational activities, and other good things must take a secondary place in our lives to our feasting at the Lord's banquet table, at his hall, gathering around word and sacrament even in this time, to be nourished and strengthened in our faith, receiving a foretaste of the feast to come, and thereby being empowered by the Holy Spirit to be the Lord's instrument, because he would use us to offer his invitation to many to come to the feast, answering the king's command to go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. The feast is ready. The invitation has been written in the very blood of Christ and delivered to us through the means of grace, word and sacrament. The attire, the very righteousness of Christ has been provided. You don't have to worry about it. It is freely given to each one of us. It's for us to wear even now. So then wear the garment of righteousness Jesus bought for you on Calvary and put on you when he called you and the waters of holy baptism, inviting you to be his disciples, giving you the gifts that lead to this everlasting banquet hall where there will be no weeping, where there will be no hunger, where there will be no thirst, no pain, and no sorrow, where God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and feed us for eternity. Share this invitation with others so that they too might join with you because you see the feast is ready. Come to the feast. Amen. May this 
Peace of God which transcends our human understanding, guard our hearts and guard our minds. In faith in Christ Jesus, to life everlasting, amen.